So just don't don't involve me in. You, yeah, you don't need. You just yeah, edit me out of this one. But I I need you. And the home of the to episode 22 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. Oh man, it has been uh, quite a warm week here in New York, James, would you agree? I agree 100%, and I think the sweat on my brow proves that. Yeah, well, you work hard, nose to the grindstone for your podcast, so... Just following your lead, and the fact that you're actually wearing a jersey as we're recording this, you are a better man than I'll ever be. So it is a very it, it is made of a very cheap material, so it's fairly lightweight. So I'm I'm not I'm not so much of a gamer that I'm gonna put myself on the brink of heat exhaustion for the podcast. So uh, I guess that's what the next twenty two plus podcasts are for. You are way too humble, but yeah, you're you're a goalie at heart. There's no question about that because I'm I just I'm in a t-shirt and shorts and sandals and I'm still hot. So, <laughs> well done. By that you mean I am dumb enough to wear more clothing than is required in very hot weather. I guess it's just no. You're not dumb at all, and and neither is any other goalie out there. You're all brave, super men and women, and we love you and, and we need you and. You are cut from a stronger cloth than the rest of us, and that's proof right there. So thank you. All right. Well, if nothing else, I am making sure to stay hydrated because that's very important in this weather. Good idea. Yes. I'll follow your lead on that as well. All right. Well, why don't we get into the starting lineup? Sounds good, sir. All right. Well, in that case, for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, I am number 35, the American Rhino, Gary McComiskey, and of course, my accomplished co-host... On defense, number four, I'm James Sejazi, and back with us this week. At forward, number 44, I'm Brad Vonsky. All right, thanks, Brad. So we look forward to your wisdom weighing in on another set of plays that hopefully will benefit our listeners. So without further ado, James, why don't we jump into it? Would you mind giving us the lowdown on what's on deck for this podcast? Would be happy to. More whiteboard. Hopefully, the one and only Coach Herb Brooks is smiling down from heaven on this as Gary, Brad, and I continue our breakdown of specific deck hockey plays. Why would that make Coach Brooks happy? Because we here at Hit the Deck, along with our LIQ teammates, filmed so many plays that we needed two episodes to cover them all. What it takes. Stumbled across an interesting piece from last year's Sports Illustrated about the crazy injuries players suffered and played through during the 2015 Stanley Cup playoff run. And happy anniversary, Mr. and Mrs. American Rhino. Living proof that true love and all of the positives that go with it actually exists among this generation. And that's what's on deck. That's very sweet. Thank you, James. You are very welcome and very, very happy anniversary to you and your lovely wife. Thank you, sir. Well, we'll get into that later. But Yes, uh, we will. First, as you said... We are back with Brad. We have him back with us to discuss even more, even more uh, whiteboard. I got to have more whiteboard. <laughs> so uh, I got a fever. <laughs> the only cure for that fever is more whiteboard. Uh, man. Hey, we had such a good time with it last week. We had to bring it back. So I hope everybody else enjoyed it, too. I love the YouTube portion as well that was pretty cool to follow along and, and hear what we were talking about and see it yeah actually before we jump into it why don't i thank you for reminding me why don't i remind the listener in case they missed last week's show or just forget as with last week's episode you can follow along with the plays that we are reviewing on our youtube channel hit the deck so this very podcast in its entirety is available on our youtube channel hit the deck and on that channel 
is going to be when you watch this this podcast we will be displaying the plays that we are discussing and breaking down here so you can have the visual cues required to help you understand what we're talking about all for you the listener because we value you and we do all right so we would like to welcome back once again brad vonsky to help us analyze some more plays in our whiteboard segment brad how are you I'm doing well. It's good to be back. Good. Good to have you back. Thank you for coming. So let us pick up where we left off last week. Last week, we broke down some breakaways and some two-on-one situations. So what we're going to pick up with this week is some situations uh, where you have somebody who's really all over your goalie in the crease and how that unfolds. Now, the first play we're going to break down here is Brad is kind of in my face in the crease. He's backing up right on me. And James is defending the player coming in from high in a one-on-one situation. And they're they're going to try and score. So what happens is... Again, Brad's standing in front of me. He's he's trying to block my vision while, I guess, simultaneously get a shot off. I'm trying to see around him. As a goalie, having someone stand right in front of you in the crease is really annoying and often very difficult to deal with. You just have to kind of move around as best you can, which is sometimes detrimental to your game because you're not in your best position necessarily. And if nothing else, it's distracting. So James is defending Joe from mostly off camera, but Joe gets a shot off. Looks like Brad, it's not a very fast shot. Brad is able to kind of step on it with his foot and try and tuck it in between my legs, five hole, and it kind of trickles through and I'm able to spin around and drop and cover it. So, Brad, what are you looking to do here? All right, so here number one is, like you said, blocking your vision, screening the goalie. And when you're doing this, you kind of have to use your ears to kind of hear I'm trying to hear where you are, and I'm also checking back every once in a while, trying to make sure I stay in front of your in front of your uh, your mask there, making sure you can't see. And then my second objective would be I know a shot's going to be coming at some point, and trying to redirect that with either my foot or preferably with the stick, because you just never know where it's going to go after it redirects. So yeah, blocking your vision is the number one objective there, and I want to thank you for not slashing me in the back of the ankles. Uh, I'm not that kind of goalie. I believe in a clean game. I am a sportsman, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> no worries. Now, James, what are you trying to do? I know for the purposes of this play, obviously, since we kind of staged it, not staged it, but we, we knew we set it up the way we wanted to portray, and then we let it unfold organically, as we explained. But, James, you – so I, I know that you knew Brad was there in front of me, but – in a game situation, would you be aware of him, or would you be solely focused on the shooter? Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, Rob is in the LIQ. That's his specialty, and uh, that's one of the things that's frustrating about deck hockey is that there isn't offsides necessarily enforced, and uh, that's frustrating. The reason why offsides is enforced is for that reason, so someone can't just camp out in front of your goalie and get a cheapie or whatever the case is. But, yeah, as a defenseman, you know if your goalie's getting screened, at that point you're kind of stuck as a defenseman because there's no one else to help you out behind you. So you have to try and play the puck again or, or the guy with the shot and hopefully get in the way so that the shot doesn't come through if they're trying a deflection shot or uh, setting up a rebound or something for the guy in front of the goal and, and by the crease. So there's really not much you could do except for trying to lay it out or, or lift the stick and try and get control of the puck at that point. Why do you play the man with the puck instead of the man in the crease? Just out of curiosity. Uh, in that situation, again, because you can't hit, so the only way to get somebody, like Brad was saying, tongue-in-cheek, that uh, he was grateful that you didn't take out his ankles or anything like that, not that you would anyway, especially because we love Brad very much, but you, you can't hit in deck hockey. So you can't shove him as a goalie, and, and as a defenseman, you can't check him or, or hip-check him or push him out of the way or whatever the case is. So that's why you're, you're kind of limited in one of the pitfalls of playing defense in, in deck hockey. All right, fair enough. So, well, actually, before I move on, is there a fear that if you move on to uh, try and clear the crease 
that you leave the the goalie exposed or you leave everybody exposed because you're not playing anybody for a second or two? Or is it just more beneficial to play the puck because you kind of have to have confidence in the goalie that, that he can handle the guy in the crease? What's the kind of risk-reward there? Yeah, the last thing you want to do is be another body in front of your goalie to screen him even worse. So you're assuming that the guy with the puck is either looking for you to do that as a defenseman. So then either he can walk right in and and get a clear shot that the goalie can't see because one, the offensive player and Brad in this case is in his face. And then two, if I'm screening you as your defenseman, which is another huge nightmare for a defenseman and one thing that you just can never, ever do. So you're much more limited if you are to try and exactly clear the crease and, and, I don't think you're – I mean, how would you feel about that, right? I mean, when you kind of be distracted or uh, a little frustrated if your defenseman is standing right next to you or right in front of you and really kind of being not much of a help in that aspect, correct? Well, actually, that's (laughs) – we're going to touch on that a little bit in the the very next play, but I would – this is only me personally. I would defer to you as to knowing how best to stop the play from unfolding. I'm not going to – question a defenseman especially a defenseman who knows what he's doing if he you know decides oh the the best way to prevent this guy from scoring is not to play the man but play the other guy i would defer to your judgment on that but i appreciate you know as a goalie uh, i appreciate the fact that if you decide that you need to play the shooter then you have your hands full and i have to kind of just deal with the guy in front of me because there's not a lot i can do about it yeah, same here. Like we said, I mean, we can't physically get him out of there. So, But let's see what happens uh, when yeah. you do have another guy in the crease. So in this situation, James is still playing. Oh, actually, no, James isn't playing the shooter. He's standing in the back watching for some reason. <laughs> I, I, guess, uh, I guess the way we set up this play was just the idea that the shooter would have a, a clean lane to come in. But Rob McCullough, who is longtime founding member of the LIQ, he's battling with Brad in front of me. And Joe is coming in on the side and and trying to shoot. So, again, Rob and Brad are having a very physical interaction in front of me in the crease. And Brad's trying to get around him to get open because uh, in this situation, Brad is the offensive player and Rob is functioning as my defenseman. And what happens is... I guess I'm distracted by what's going on with the two of them. And Joe is able to walk in and kind of get a a shot in next to the post. I'm not really sure what happened here from my perspective, but uh, I I can only imagine I was distracted or I just flat out misplayed it. But either way, they're able to score in large part due to the battle that's going on next to me. So um, I don't know. There we have it. Brad, what are you trying to accomplish here? How... How hard is it to try and set yourself up when somebody's physically manhandling you in front of the crease? And what is the benefit to staying there in that situation? In this situation, it's similar to what I was doing in the last video, which is my main objective is to screen you, to block your vision. And I guess Rob's main objective is to get me out of the way so you can see again. Right. So... The fact that I'm battling there, number one, it's another body in front that the puck could deflect off of. But number two, just I know that if you can't see, it's going to be hard for you to stop the shot. Right, which is true. And actually, so just trying to stay in front. Yeah, actually, in the the next video, which is quick, um, mercifully quick, one might say, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's the same setup. Has the puck, and Rob and uh, Brad are battling, and. Joe comes in and just he's he's high at the point and he just rips off a shot, goes right in. I never even saw it. I, I was completely screened from the two of you battling. So I guess that's really effective in some cases. So, uh, James, I know you weren't the defenseman in this play, but what are you trying to do as a defenseman in that situation? Is it I'm trying to get rid of this guy or is it? more like uh, Rob Rob's a, a good offensive player but he's not very defensive minded so I'm not going to necessarily take his actions here as the 
de facto kind of uh, way that a defenseman might play this. What is your objective in that situation, James? Uh, you know, are you just going to try and push him out of the way as Rob seems to be doing, or are you going to try and do something a little more directed than that? Yeah, in this situation, if you can get physical in, in deck hockey, and Rob is much stronger than I am, so that's one of his strong points of his game. So in the, exactly, you're just trying to clear out. You, you don't want anybody in front of your goalie. You're trying to give your goalie the best chance to see the puck at all times, and that's exactly Brad is so good at what he does, and, and he's quick, and like he said, he doesn't give up on the play. So even if the defenseman is able to push him out of the way a little bit, because Brad is really unmoved at that aspect. Obviously, as you said, you didn't even see the shot at all. So uh, he even gets in front of uh, the defenseman at one point as well. So that's just to create enough chaos to, if your offensive teammate is skilled enough as Joe is, to have the option of ripping a shot that quickly without even giving the defenseman a chance to clear out the crease properly. So there's a lot of options for the offense there. I guess my question, James, is are you only trying to push the offensive player out of the way or are you also trying to play the puck in some regard um, with, with your stick? Are you multitasking or are you solely focused on clearing that guy out of the way even though he's determined to stand there? Personally for me, uh, just speaking for myself here, and, and I think this is probably – anyone who is a defenseman as his primary position would, would agree his or her primary position is that exactly your option. Number one is get the guy out of the crease because that's your goalie's crease and nobody else's, but you are keeping an eye out where the puck is and who has the puck and what he's, he or she is trying to do with it. So that's when you hear the expression going all out. So if you're not successful to get the offensive player out of your goalie's crease that's when that's when you have to make a decision that you have to block that shot at anything you can do you get your face in the way get your stick in the way a leg if you have to dive or whatever the case is you do whatever you can and hopefully like brad was saying before that you don't have the puck deflect off of your foot or an ankle or your glove or something that it would change the angle and direction and then leave your goalie hanging out to dry if he's on one side of the crease. So that's kind of the risk you have to take. But exactly, you're trying to do both. Exactly. You're trying to multitask. One more question before we move on. Yeah, sure. Sorry. So in this particular video, it looks like at the time the shot is taken, Rob is kind of turned sideways to the puck in an effort to shove Brad out of the way. Is there a benefit or or is that something that you would do not keep yourself square to the, the shooter in pursuit of moving that person? Or do you, as a defenseman, make a more concerted effort to, even though you're trying to move him out of the way, you're also staying square to the puck and the, the shooter? Yeah, pardon the pun, but in Rob's defense here, he's he doesn't have his protective gear on. So that's why, and this was just for the purpose of, it was, wasn't an in-game situation. So for in Rob's defense, he's a much better player than that. But exactly, you, you, you're, you're trying to keep square that's when you kind of turn a little bit into a goalie. You're trying to keep your, your body in front of the the puck at all times. And uh, that's when you could use your gloves, your stick, your face, whatever. If the shot gets off, to try and stop it or at least give your goalie a chance to, uh, to, to stop it as well. So, right, you're always supposed to keep your shoulders pointed towards the where the puck is like a goalie would to obviously create enough area. Exactly. That That's what you try to do, but it's... To Brad's credit, because of, of how crafty he is and what a good player he is and how hard he is to knock off the puck, that's the pitfall that if you're trying to do that, then maybe you might be out of position in that aspect. And, and that's what happened to, to the defenseman in this uh, situation. Yeah, and as a goalie uh, in that situation, really all I'm trying to do is pick up the puck uh, amid the chaos that's unfolding in front of me. And clearly in this situation, I was unable to do that. So kudos to the uh, offensive players for doing what they set out to do. Exactly. Great. So why don't we move behind the net for uh, a little sequence? Um, Now, behind the net is I lovingly refer to this as Brad's office. Um, (laughs) I guess I will not Wayne Gretzky because... In terms of the competition that I play against, he's the closest thing I have to a Gretzky. 
So, uh, and, and when Brad is all alone behind the net with that puck, I really, uh, I have a bit of anxiety. So what's happening here in this particular play is it looks to me, and Brad's going to explain it a little better, but I'm hugging the post. Brad's, um, he's just got the puck. He's puck handling a little bit behind the net, trying to find an opening, it looks like. James is guarding Joe out in front in the, uh, in the crease slash slot area. Brad, what are you trying to do here? Well, here, I, I, I do like to set up behind the goal because it gives you a lot of options. But um, in this particular play, James has Joe covered very well. So my only option here, since I don't have someone else to pass to in this particular situation, I actually try to hit James in the back with it and hope that it rolls in off of him somehow. And I think what eventually happens is it hits James and kind of drops down and Joe's able to get a shot off. Yeah. Okay. So it looks like it hits James and drops and you kind of are able to follow up on the play and shovel it to Joe out front. Yeah, that, that does seem yeah, that seems to be what's happening there. Yeah, yeah so, but Okay, on so on a play like on a play like this when you really don't have an option, you usually want to go for maybe the wraparound there, but mm-hmm. you've got the post covered really well on both sides. Yeah. So um the only option there is just to try to get it in the goal any way possible, which would be banking it off of someone in front. Okay. Now, James, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously you're defending Joe and you're doing so very well. Is your focus solely on him or are you aware at all of what Brad's doing behind the net? It looks like you're pretty solidly focused on Joe. Yeah, in this situation, we were trying to show an example, which Brad actually did this at least once. I think he did it twice off of me in real game situations that he banked the puck off of me and it went in, and I have nightmares about that. But (laughs) in in this aspect, yes, you're, you're trying to focus on the player in front to make sure that he's not wide open. Also trying to block the unguarded side of the goal because as Gary's properly doing, watching the player behind the net, you have to hug one of the posts at any given time. You do know that there's a player back there. Absolutely you do. So when you're by yourself as a defenseman and nobody else to flush him out or, or help out, you kind of have to make a decision. So either you risk going behind the net and, and trying to control the puck that way, or at minimum you try and take away the option of a pass and uh, leaving Joe to shoot at. Okay, yeah, and I guess try and go post to post as best you can and keep track of where the puck is going. Um, I think partly because I am trying to keep track of where the puck is behind me, but I'm also focusing on Joe, on that guy in front. Even though I know you have not covered, I also know that's likely where the guy behind the net is trying to go. So I have to try and, and make sure that I'm in a position to stop him if the puck does squirt out and wind up on his stick in front of the net and so a similar play here James and Joe are still up front although it looks like Brad is in this particular play Brad is doing less back and forth behind the net and committing to one side and trying to do something what what are exactly are you trying to do there Brad well at the beginning of the clip I moved over to the right side to see if there was any way to bank it in off of you, and there was, and you had it covered really nicely. So at that point, I know this that I know that that play is you know out. So I move over to the left side, and again, it's the same thing, trying to get the puck in any way possible. And again, I think I go and try to bank it in off of James on this play, just because he's facing you know, the other offensive player, he's, he's covering him. So his back is to me. So I know whatever I try to do at this point, he's going to be blind to. Mm-hmm. So banking it off of him is a way to number one, get it out in front. And also it could roll in the net. You might have trouble covering it. It might squirt loose to someone else. You just never know what's going to happen. So, you know, the old adage, always put the puck on the net kind of works here. Before James was battling with Joe out in front, but this next clip Brad kind of flips the puck behind the net. James chases him, and he's playing him really well behind the net. Brad's going back and forth, trying to get open, and uh, I guess trying to find a hole to get a shot off. Joe is hanging out in front of the net, waiting for a pass in case the pass comes, but he's pretty much uncovered. So, Brad, what are you trying to do here with James kind of 
all over you, basically. Trying to find a way out. That's objective number one, just trying to find a way out of the coverage that James has, has put me in because he's, like you said, he's doing a great job here. I'm just kind of pinned against the fence in, at this play, and every time I move to the right, he's there. Every time I move to the left, he's there. So, you know, you're not going to score a goal from, from behind the net for most of the time. So trying to find a way out and get it to where a shot can go off that might actually be able to go into the goal. And I will say that these kind of plays are exhausting, especially <laughs> against someone like James. Or, you know, no offense to James, but when someone like Carlos does this to you, yeah, who is, I, he's got to be like 6'4". Yeah, Carlos is a, pounds. A, a big, solidly built guy who's incredibly athletic for his size. He's uh, not somebody you want to go up against. So let me ask you a question, Brad. Obviously, yep. we set this up to demonstrate a certain thing, but when you are behind the net in this situation, are you looking to pass or are you looking to find a way out to get... When I say pass, I mean, are you looking to just kind of not clear the puck, but are you looking to just find a way to get it out from behind the net, or are you looking to make a specific scoring play? Well, well, preferably you'd want to score a goal on, on, on this kind of play, but it also kind of depends on how the game is going. If you're ahead, let's say, by one, by one goal near the end, this is a great way to waste time. Yeah. So you, yeah, know, you can I've, kill off I've 30 seconds. <laughs> But if you're down by a goal, this is then, you know, this is when you would want to create some kind of scoring chance and somehow outdo the defenseman covering you. So preferably, I'd want to get the puck in front, especially since he's not covered. Now, James, I notice you're, again, you're doing this kind of one hand on the stick, one hand on the other side, kind of just trying to stay on either side of Brad and doing so very effectively. But what's your mentality here? Uh, obviously, cover the man, but are you trying to do something particular? Are you trying to force him to one side, or is it just contain him at all costs? What's the defensive mentality here? Yeah, I'm glad that Brad brought up Carlos, because uh, another defenseman of, of the LIQ, who I know a little bit better, uh, Mr. Patrick Fogarty, he's an excellent defenseman. He's another big guy, well over six feet, and he's like 6'3", six, 6'4". So uh, he, he would be able to play that a lot better than I would. In my situation, because I'm not a big guy and I'm not going to be physically pushing anybody off of the puck, trying to make myself as big as possible. So using the stick to try and either lift Brad's in this case or the offensive player and uh, either knock the puck away or try and knock his stick away and control the puck and, and go from there. Or with one hand on the stick and my other hand I'm trying to use as a screen as well where making my body a little bit wider so if he does try and pass to the open man in front of the crease that hopefully I could get a piece of the puck or or bat it down from getting to its target now Brad before you had mentioned that this kind of play is exhausting from from your standpoint as a goalie it's also exhausting and it's nerve-wracking for me personally because if the puck is behind the net with that mask, your peripheral vision is garbage. It, it, it's it's very difficult to keep track of where the puck is behind the net. So I can't just kind of sneak a peek. I have to keep physically turning my head to the side. Part of it is listening, but if I want to actually physically see where the puck is, I have to keep. Not only do I have to keep turning my head, but I have to keep darting from post to post and that's like i i would much prefer a play where a player is just kind of forced to one side of the net because i can cover that side and just deal with the play how it unfolds this for me is like i don't know where the puck is going to squirt out i don't know where i'm going to have to set up so i have to be on my toes on on both sides and there are situations in this type of thing where I just barely get across. I get I get my toe on the the puck at the post or maybe I kind of am able to slide my stick across and cover the post that way, but I hate these kind of plays. I really do. For me as a goalie, this is uh, to say it's a nightmare scenario is overstating it, but this is really something that I I don't like to have to face. So, tip for any offensive players out there, create that kind of uncertainty 
for the goalie, then that's going to benefit you. So, yeah, I, I, I don't enjoy those kind of plays. So fortunately, we have a few more things we want to break down. This particular play, it's not even a play. It, Brad, uh, so James is down on a knee, and Brad is uh, demonstrating for us the places where, I guess, an offensive player is going to look in that situation to get the puck through the, the defender. So, Brad, this is all you. So why don't you talk us through what you're you're doing here? Sure. So in this this particular play, James has basically he's he's square to me and he's dropping down to a knee at certain times. He gets back up. I don't really know which way he's going to go. So what you got to do in this position is basically do a percentage game in your head, kind of figure out where is my best option. So James has got, you know, stick side covered really well. Joe is trying to camp out in front. So you have three options in this in this sense. Either go stick side, go to James's glove side, or through his legs. So there's nobody down low here. So going glove side is probably not the best idea. I know I'm not going to be able to try to put some moves and out-deek him because I know how great of a defenseman James is. So you just kind of have to weigh out where you're going to go. And I believe in this particular video i end up going five hole on james because just in that instant that he hops back up off his off his knee and then comes back up and he leaves that section open and it's the best way to get a shot off so not really the best thing to do here so i just went with shot now i mean in for the purposes of this this was entirely for demonstration you're doing this you're literally showing him with your stick where he's vulnerable uh, or where he's not vulnerable where you're going to try and get a puck through. So you know, this isn't obviously normal speed that you'd see in a, a game, but it's, it, it's fascinating to see all the options that you have from uh, something where you're seemingly very well covered. Yeah, there's, there's always an option. There's always some sort of option when you're facing up against a defenseman. So whether he's vulnerable or, or not, there's always going to be one tiny hole you can find or one way you can kind of squeeze a play to the other side. So I could have tried to maybe lift the puck up over James's stick, but given the surface we play on, it's probably not that great of a chance of Joe catching that pass and putting it in. So I just went for the shot. I saw the, that his five hole was open and that was just one of the options you have. So at game speed, you're kind of figuring these things out very at you know, very quickly. And again, like on the breakaways, like we did with the other videos, you just kind of have to pick where you're going to go and go with it. Cause any hesitation to the uh, defenseman is going to pick up on. Now, James, you go down quite a lot in these kind of defensive situations, which I think is part of what makes you effective. Brad would be able to speak to that better than I, but why do you do that? Why do you, go down because obviously there's a trade-off if you go down you temporarily lose your mobility even though you you take away a portion of the uh the shooting lane what's the benefit for you to doing that why does that make you so effective yeah exactly the that's just a i I don't know i think that's just a personal preference for me because again i'm not i'm only five nine and uh not a big guy like patrick or carlos or rob so in order to try and make myself a little bigger or like Brad was saying, try and take away as many options as possible is to exactly defenseman is vulnerable through his five hole as well. So try and keep my, my knee down or my shin down to, to close that gap uh, under my feet. And again, use the stick and, and my hand and anything else I could to try and at least keep the shooter in one area. So the goalie can focus on him there or, try and take the pass away from him. So it's just another way to, to try and plug up a lane. And exactly right, as, as you guys were both pointing out, that uh, you have to be prepared to bounce back up as quickly as possible and have your stick available. That's one of the other reasons why I just usually play with one hand on the stick when I'm in the, in the defensive zone, is to be able to try and, and counterpunch, if you will, and at least try and contain the, the offensive player as much as possible. All right, great. So why don't we see this at game speed? And basically what's happening here is 
what Brad was just demonstrating. James is trying to defend. It's again, it's it's kind of a two on one situation, but it's more static. It's just Brad on one side, and James is solely playing Brad. He's not trying to play both men, defending Brad more specifically. So, Brad, in this case, is there anything you're doing differently from what you just described, or is this basically just the last video in action at game speed? It really is the last, it's basically the last video at, at game speed. And you can see in the video when I start stick handling, the puck gets away from me at least once or twice. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have to be quick to recover there or James will poke it away and you'll have to go back on defense and come, you know, either defend him now going the other way from getting it away from me or just restart the play all over again, you know, reset up. So you just have to kind of think on your feet and, you know, just whatever you do, just don't have hesitation. That's the, that's the name of the game. James, it looks like you do get pretty close to Brad and maybe that's just perspective, but from what it looks like here, it looks like you do have a couple of opportunities where you are, you're not right up on him, but you might be within sticks length of him. Is there a reason that you just stay down and block the lane and, and don't try to poke it? Or is it a case of him being such a skilled player that you feel like if you move your stick, he's going to be able to counter that? Yeah. Brad is just that good. And, and I don't know I, if sometimes you have to play by gut and maybe try and read body language a little bit or focus on a guy's shoulders because that could kind of show you where he's looking to uh, shoot or pass. So I guess in that aspect, maybe I just felt that it would be better to just stay on on Brad at all costs. Are you more inclined, just generally, are you more inclined to play a more passive defense instead of a a more aggressive defense, or is it situation by situation? Yeah, it should be situation by situation. And again, from my weaknesses is uh, I'm not tall or, or big or strong or anything like that. So I and, and you, I, even if we could hit, I probably wouldn't be able to knock many guys off of the puck anyway. So there are kind of limitations to what my options are to try and be as good a defenseman as possible. So I just basically try and get in the way more than anything else. So that's why I was trying to, to use the uh, basketball analogy. It's kind of like how I play defense. Uh, I kind of Maybe I give too much space to the opposition and should focus more on trying to just play the puck or lift a stick or do something like that. So I'm, I'm in, in what I can do basically physically more than anything else. So, But, yeah, you, you try and, and adapt – and not be predictable either, because especially a shooter that's as good and as skilled as Brad, if he sees a pattern, he knows what to expect, and he knows how to get around that. So as a defenseman, and the same thing for a shooter as well, as Brad was saying with, with his different different options that he could go over, is you try and maybe hold a little trick back in your back pocket as to uh, maybe you'll break out trying to, to play the puck one one instance or you'll dive in another instance or uh, try and lift the the stick or or something like that. So yeah, you got to go situation to situation and make sure that you always give the best possible option for your goalie. Because as we said in the past, and Patrick is where I got this quote from shot on goal. It's the fault of the defenseman because that was a breakdown in defense. And that's a little too hard and and not fair for how good the offensive team or the offensive players are. But that's kind of the mentality is that uh, as a defenseman, you're there to make sure that no shots ever get put on goal. Of course, that's impossible, but that's what your objective is. All right. Well, let's go last clip. Very similar to the, the, the clip we just kind of analyzed. But in this one, again, James is is covering Brad very tightly, and it seems like, Brad, you're having a little more difficulty getting anything going, although James seems to be... In this situation, James seems to be covering you more vertical and and not going down. Is there uh, a reason, James, that you would opt not to go down in that situation? So, yeah, again trying to keep my feet as close together as possible i'm assuming and because as we said before that yeah one of one of the uh, weaknesses of a defenseman or at least for me is that a lot of times guys just go through my five hole and that that's kind of frustrating and whatever but th- that's one of the things of deck hockey is that 
you do expose that a little bit more than if you're on skates because a lot of times you could turn your skate to the side or if you go down on a shin, it's a little bit easier to, to glide back and forth and bounce back up. So I'm trying to make myself as big as possible, I think. And if there's an open man in the slot, that's goal scoring 101. And the last thing I want to do is leave you hanging out to dry. So as great as Brad is and how creative it he is, he could take a shot from a bad angle and score. Of course. Yeah. So at minimum, I'm trying to hold him there and either force him to take the shot or at least try and take the pass away. So I think that's why I would be standing a little bit more upright in that aspect is trying to be a little bit bigger and maybe kick my leg out or something to prevent a possible pass from coming. All right, Brad, anything you're doing differently here? Um, the one major difference with this particular video is that James boxes me out towards the, the wall a bit more in this one. So he takes away my angle to the right side and he kind of forces me to make that play to kind of lift the puck up over his stick to get it into the slot. So rather than having options here, James's defense actually forces me into one play. Okay, great. So thank you both. I, I hope the listener finds that two weeks of this has been worth it. But I think if you're serious about improving your game, there is a lot of really good tips, both on the defensive and the offensive side, that somebody could learn from. So, um, again, I, I, I thank you both immensely for your time on this. Brad especially, because he's our guest. And, you know, thank thank you for hanging with us, Brad. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll catch you out there. Yep. I'm happy to do it. All right. Thanks, buddy. And we also appreciate the goaltending's point of view, too. So you deserve the uh, the kudos as well, Gary. De nada, as they say. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, Brad, thank you again. We'll catch you next time. See you at the court. Yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. We will see you on the court. And thank you again so much, Brad. Uh, really excellent stuff. Gary, brilliant way of hosting and keeping us in line and keeping the conversation flowing and thank you for filming the clips as well and for uploading them on youtube i really think personally for me i enjoyed watching them and, and listening along with the replays and and having it digestible as opposed to just getting bombarded with information and this guy's doing that and that guy's doing this and then you have to figure it out and but hopefully and and again we'd love to hear from you too the fans out there and uh, Gary always goes at the end of the show with how you can contact us in many ways. So we'd love to get your feedback as well. From there on in, as we said before, what it takes. So I stumbled across a, a last year's edition of Sports Illustrated, which was just printed after the Stanley Cup playoffs of 2015 had wrapped up. And there was an interesting article in there, and Gary and I will post the picture of it, where it's a diagram of a body. And on that body, it shows you various injuries that various players suffered during the 2015 Stanley Cup playoff run. Now, yeah, uh, sorry, James, just to interrupt briefly regarding that picture, it should be up on our Instagram at hit the deck. And if you are, in fact, viewing this podcast on YouTube, you should be seeing it right now. Thank you very much, sir. Sure. Sorry to interrupt. Please continue. No, not at all. It's another excellent assist for the Rhino Mac. So yeah, so as you will see, or you can see, each injury is diagrammed on that particular drawing. So people who had shoulder injuries or torso, knees, ankle, foot, arm, head, so on and so forth. The thing I do like about it is that they had sense enough to put a playoff beard on the body. <laughs> so that was a nice touch. But the illustration is, let's just say, inaccurate in another area, because you need a huge set of guts to play in the NHL. So I think they got that a little bit wrong. But, yeah, huge guts to, to play in the NHL. Actually, Anyhow, uh, Kendall yeah. Anatomy notwithstanding, uh, I think that guy actually looks a little bit like our own LIQ Carlos. <laughs> yeah, is he uh, six-plus and scary? So that's true. He could probably be on this list as well. But uh, the point of, of <laughs> the article and the diagram is that NHL players are supermen, and in order to get to the NHL is impossible to compete in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which can last two months long, mm. is just plain superhuman. And to put it in perspective, out of the 19 players listed here that suffered injuries, some being very severe, some, well, I, I think they're all severe in one way, shape, or the other, but 12 of them 
12 of them missed zero games at all. Jeez. Yeah. And the seven who did miss games, just to really nail it home, Shea Weber missed four games because of a dislocated kneecap. I don't even want to go near what kind of pain that is. Four whole games for a measly dislocated knee? Yeah. I mean, forget about walking. The guy, forget about skating, I should say. The guy couldn't even walk. So that's that's how they, they got him out of, yeah, four four games. <laughs> A gentleman by the name of Nathan Boyu of the Canadians missed seven out of nine games, so he was back for two, with a fractured sternum. I don't even know what that means. How do you fracture your sternum? I mean, that's... Um, I don't know. I guess it's similar to a collarbone injury. You know, it's the same, maybe a little lower, but the same general area. Probably a hard check, got hit in the chest or, you know, the upper what have you, and... I don't know. Right. And, and as you know, for anybody listening out there who's not familiar with, with Gary and I yet, uh, you know, Gary and I can ice skate. And <laughs> he says charitably. Yeah, well, whatever. You're too humble for your own good. Anyway, while you're in an ice skating position, hockey anyway, I know that the skates are a little bit different for figure skating. But for hockey skates, your proper form is you're bent down and and in a uh, kind of like a crouching position almost and your lower back and, and your upper body and your legs are all being those muscles are being fired all the time mm-hmm. and you need to breathe so having a fractured sternum I don't know how you can skate how you can play hockey and in the postseason it's just to a whole other level really intense and ridiculous so then the final injury on this list which Gary and I it hit home to us because we're Ranger fans. Mats Zuccarello was out for the remainder of the playoffs. He was hit in the head in the first round game five clinching game when the Rangers beat the Penguins in 2015. And he was wearing his helmet. Mm. Still, he suffered a skull fracture. He had a brain contusion. Yeah, that whole thing was scary. Yes, and he was unable to speak for four days. Again, he was wearing his helmet. Gary and I saw the play live. I'm sure every other Ranger fan saw it live, and NHL fan did too. Absolutely insane. And that's what it takes to to get these guys out of the lineup. They are just ridiculous supermen. Although Zuccarello uh, played a a pretty good, pretty decent season this, this year. So he bounced back. So good on him. Yeah, considering that he had to relearn how to speak, for crying out loud, so how he was able to play hockey again is beyond me. But I guess if you asked him personally, he probably would have liked to have kept his hockey skills and at the expense of his speaking skills. But thank God he's <laughs> able to do both, and yeah, hope he has a great career for the rest of his uh, NHL days. God willing, yes. <laughs> so from there, again, very happy anniversary to you and your missus. Oh, thank you, sir. On behalf yes. of my missus and I, we accept. Excellent. Uh, as fans of Hit the Deck know, it is an honor and blessing to be friends of Gary and Jens. And obviously, because they are such wonderful people, they are also huge hockey fans mm. and are raising their family that way, the right way. So we thank <laughs> you for that, too, starting a whole other generation of hockey fans out there. Well... It's really it, – it would be hard not to. I mean, we're, you know, as you said, we're both such big hockey fans. Obviously, our daughter Julia is going to be exposed to it. So it's just – again, it, it, it would be hard for her not to be brought up as a hockey fan. And, of course, as she gets older, she can make her own decisions. I think I will do my best to encourage her along the right path. But, you know, we have to love our children no matter what they choose. So we will see what happens. You are a fine father, and, uh, and, and Jen is a wonderful mother. So you're already off on the right track. Thank and you. It, yeah, that, that's, that's wonderful that they have the option, but it's, as a parent, it's your duty to bring them up right. So that's great that you, you, you have the sense enough not to force it on them. Where we've, we've brought this up in past Hit the Decks, too, referencing the movie um, Field of Dreams, mm. where Kevin Costner's character – resented having a catch with his father because his father was too hard on him to want to play baseball and become a major leaguer or because he was living vicariously through his son, whatever the case is. So Gary is not the type to fall for that 
trap at all. No. And well done with that. So thank you. No, I live vicariously through myself by uh, pretending I'm a hockey player on the weekends. Well, you got me fooled because you look like yeah. a hockey player to me and you play like a hockey player and you speak like a hockey player and you have the attitude of a hockey player and the toughness among all, above all, you have the toughness of a hockey player. Well, thank you, sir. You I, are welcome. I raise my glass to you. And I to you and everybody else listening out there as well. So thank you, and, and hopefully everybody could follow your example of what it is to be a true team and what it is to have true teamwork. And the quintessential example of that is a good marriage. And that's what you have, and long life to you both, and great health and success and all the best for many, 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 many future anniversaries. Well, uh, thank you. I, I couldn't ask for a better partner on our uh, parental pair, I guess. She does all the hard work. <laughs> Again, your, your your humility is showing, but no. that's not taking anything away from Jen. Uh, no, so. <laughs> no, 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 she really does do all the hard work. <laughs> and I love her for it, and I'm I'm blessed to have her. But thank you for the, the kind wishes. Uh, it is actually today, as this podcast drops, is my anniversary. So I intend on going out and having a nice dinner with my wife. And thank you all for your kind wishes. And uh, I don't really have any way to end this sentiment. So, uh, Well, hey, if you happen to be at the restaurant and you see Gary uh, and, and, and his lovely wife, buy him a drink or, or just come by and say hi and happy anniversary. No autographs, please. I'm with my family. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, let them enjoy their meal, please. If you're very, very nice, maybe I'll give you a picture opportunity later. <laughs> I'm sorry. Last minute remaining in the podcast. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Hit the Deck. I hope you found the plays useful. I hope you found the banter tolerable. And I hope you come back next week. Of course, we would also like to thank Brad Vonsky for being a part of the podcast this week. We'd like to thank Pops for being the voice of the podcast, the LIQ for sound effects, Anthony Sajazi for music used in the podcast. Uh, once again, thank you for listening. Really, we wouldn't have a podcast without you, and we genuinely appreciate it. If you would like to contact us, please do so at hitthedeck at gmail.com or on Twitter at hitthedeckpod. Instagram and Facebook, we are at hitthedeck. And as mentioned, we now have a YouTube channel, Hit the Deck, where you can leave a comment on the video for this very podcast. James, have I forgotten to plug anything? You've hit it all. Just wanted to add Stitcher and iTunes to please subscribe, as you always so graciously ask the people to do. Yes. And please do, and hope to hear from you, and thanks for listening. Great assist, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for the warm wishes. Thanks for being a part of the podcast with me. And thank you for living the advice, which I so lovingly dispense every week on the podcast when I say, remember, it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. And we seem to have lost James. I, I, I thought maybe revealing the tricks of the trade about no. what goalies are vulnerable to offended <laughs> you so deeply that you couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. That, what am I even doing here? <laughs>